The opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. You are currently listening to On Wisconsin, Mondays, 7 to 8 p.m. on WSUM. Student-led, community-supported broadcast journalism. Developing stories, posing important questions, and bringing you quality programming with special guests and interviews. No prior experience necessary to join. Please direct your questions or comments to onwisconsin at wsum.wisc.edu. Or drop us a tweet at onwisconsinwsum. WSUM 91.7 FM, Madison. Good evening, everyone. It is all giggles in here tonight in the studio. We are um, uh, introducing um, some new guests to the show. Maybe some of them will return as they're involved in some pretty cool things happening in and around Dane County. Um, we will have a call-in guest uh, uh, with the uh, Juvenile uh, Law Center who's doing some uh, uh, work uh, and advocacy um, around the state of Wisconsin. Um, later on in the hour, we have uh, S.J. Miller, who is a faculty member here at the university. And um, we have Karen, um, who is, uh, well, wears a couple of different hats, um, but uh, uh, put together an event this uh, last weekend uh, regarding uh, the, what would you say, it's like the, the hip-hop culture, but it was also music in general. Level Up was yeah, this last up. weekend. Music industry weekend, so yes, and I'm president of the Urban Community Arts Network that's, in Madison. That's yep. the big one, and that's <laughs> where we'd love to have you come back again and tell us more as things progress um, as we look forward to 2019. So a really fun show tonight. Uh, we're going to get a few things set up, including a phone call interview. Uh, for those of you who do not listen to WSUM, top of every hour um, from, I believe, five o'clock and six o'clock our our news team puts together um, a news brief segment of which they've let us play a few times on this show we do cover a little bit of the news it's a full spectrum variety news entertainment show kind of a a lot there but we like to have discussion so while we get that uh, phone call interview set up let's play um, that uh, clip that uh, people would have heard uh, top of the hour six o'clock from uh, WSUM's news team it's directed uh, by our Will Keneally um, and has uh, several different uh, writers and, and people who contribute to that. So let's tune into that for a moment. Here's your 6 o'clock news update. Good Monday evening, Madison. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news update on WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. I'm Will Keneally. In the news today, protesters are gathering at the state capitol to voice their opposition over what some see as a Republican power grab before Tony Evers is sworn in as governor. Sam Beisman has the latest. Based on comments that um, Leader Fitzgerald made, is very clearly partisan in nature. And is the first part is certainly designed to move the presidential primary from April to March to suppress the vote. To uh, The Wisconsin State Legislature's Joint Finance Committee entered a hearing Monday afternoon to review GOP legislation designed to limit the powers of the incoming administration and early voting. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Republican plan would remove the governor's power to approve significant actions of their attorney general and would instead delegate this responsibility to the legislature. 
Critics argue that this is a ploy by Republican lawmakers to prevent the incoming Evers administration from fulfilling its campaign promise to pull Wisconsin out of a lawsuit challenging the Affordable Care Act, as if this rule was enacted, pulling out would require the approval of the Republican-controlled legislature. Additionally, this measure seeks to limit early voting to two weeks prior to an election. If passed, this legislation may face a legal battle as attorney Mark Elias, who successfully represented a progressive interest group in a previous legal challenge to voting limits, threatened via Twitter to bring a lawsuit against this legislation if it were to pass. Monday's hearing is expected to continue into the evening and can be live-streamed on WisconsinEye.com, and the vote is scheduled for Tuesday. All audio from Wisconsin Eye. For WSUM News, I'm Sam Beisman. And finally, a Russian rocket successfully launched to the International Space Station. Alexander Kaufman has the details. The International Space Station got some good news this morning when three astronauts were successfully carried into orbit aboard a Russian-made Soyuz rocket. The three astronauts, Oleg Kononenko, a Russian cosmonaut, Anne McLean, an American, and David St. Jacques from Canada, joined the current crew of three who depart the station on December 20th. Their mission will last about six months, and they will be joined in February by additional crew members, one of whom was involved in an aborted launch in October. Two crew members plan to take a spacewalk on December 11th to investigate a suspicious but non-threatening hole in the return capsule currently docked to the station. Had today's launch not succeeded, there was a real chance that the space station could have been left uninhabited while other transportation was arranged for the astronauts. As it is, the station will be focused less on science than usual and more on performing necessary repair activities. For WSUM News, I'm Alexander Kaufman. In sports, men's basketball hosts Rutgers. Tip-off is at 7, and you can listen to our coverage at wsum.org. It is currently 28 degrees and cloudy. Tonight, expect mostly cloudy skies with a low of 24. Tomorrow, there will be flurries with a high of 28. We'd like to thank Channel 3000 for being our news partner, and thank you for tuning in. Join us Monday through Thursday at 5 and 6 p.m. for daily news updates. From the WSUM News Booth, I'm Will Keneally. Stay tuned to the student section here on... All right, and that's our news brief actually from last hour with the uh, WSUM uh, news team, Will Keneally. Um, and they are fantastic uh, for doing that every single day. Um, on Wisconsin is a once-weekly show. We have a podcast. They have a podcast. Um, it's really simple if you have... Um, like uh, I think it's only on iTunes for us anyway, but it's on Wisconsin and you know for WSUM news team I'm pretty sure it's only WSUM news team. So we're thankful for that um, I Did a little bit of writing myself um, over the weekend a couple of different things uh, President Trump is um, uh, Was out at uh, the G20 and I guess one of the major takeaways that I saw from that was the dinner that he had uh, with um, President Xi of China and um, uh, putting to rest uh, some of these uh, uh, trade agreements, um, the, the, the tariffs um, uh, conversation, putting that whole thing to rest and uh, um, trying to uh, get those uh, negotiators to table a little bit more um, in discussing uh, some trade policy that way, um, which uh, may not be as substantial as uh, the conversation uh, coming from China about um, scheduling fentanyl as a controlled substance. So. Um, interesting developments there on the international stage. Uh, looking more at the national news uh, over the weekend, 41st President of the United States, George Herbert Walker Bush, lays to rest. The mo monumental funeral service today marks the first U.S. presidential funeral in 12 years, the last being pres uh, the presidential funeral uh, paying respects for General uh, Gerald Ford, uh, the 38th President of the United States. 
the uh, 41st president's body was flown on the presidential aircraft to Washington, D.C., where we'll, uh, he will be interred next to his daughter, Robin, uh, and his wife, former First Lady Barbara Bush, who passed earlier this year. The procession was magnanimous, honoring the late president's wishes and admiration of trains when the president's casket uh, departed via railway and arrived to Texas A&M University College Station, which is home to the George Bush Presidential Library and Museum. So friends and colleagues and family members arrived to uh, give their respects, and um, those close to him have publicly shared stories of, of, of his positive general demeanor and personality. And I suppose... Uh, even the highly trained service dog for the president made waves on social media as a picture and a tweet went out saying, Mission Complete. Sully, the, the service dog, uh, was named after the famous pilot who landed um, uh, an aircraft on the Hudson River. Um, Sully is a, a, a two-year-old Labrador retriever uh, who still has uh, uh, years of service left, uh, will uh, apparently uh, report to United States Congress. So. A lot of um, ceremony uh, with the passing of our 41st president. State and county. Um, so there's a lot of news around the state and what's being referred to the, as a, the lame duck season. Re Republican lawmakers uh, seeking to um, limit uh, the power of Governor-elect Tony Evers days before inauguration. Um, this move does not go unchallenged by uh, uh, Democrats. And so... As I, from my understanding, there's going to be a vote uh, tomorrow, um, and so we, we will have to wait and see what happens there. So kind of opening up this discussion on, well, I guess it's, it's the first part of this will be a discussion on, like, government, maybe local, maybe county, statewide government, but sort of how things are, how things are generated in our, in our U.S., um, uh, democracy, you know, there's a lot of important decisions that are on the table, and um, sometimes there's opposing viewpoints. So, uh, calling in today, uh, I have uh, a special guest. Let me test our phone line and see if everything can be heard. Hello, Nadia. Hi. Hi, Nadia. So, Nadia Mozafar uh, is with the um, National Not, Not for Profit organization uh, from Philadelphia, the uh, Juvenile, uh, let me get this right, Juvenile Law Center. That's right. right. Okay. And uh, this is a national not-for-profit um, that, um, well, maybe maybe I'll let you introduce it um, to give more more of a background. I have a few notes, um, basically Great. helping the sure. juvenile justice well, system. Well, thank you so much for having system. me and giving me the opportunity to talk about the work of Juvenile Law Center. We are a nonprofit national organization. Uh, we're located in Philadelphia, but we do work all around the country on issues um, about uh, issues impacting young people that are in the juvenile justice or the criminal, um, the juvenile justice system, the criminal justice system, and also the child welfare system. And so our work takes us um, all around the country. Essentially, we we do a lot of um, support and advocacy in many states and many um, different jurisdictions. And um, in the past few months, uh, we have been working um, with our partners in Dane County, um, very specifically on the issue of costs and fees in the juvenile justice system. And, uh, you know, we were talking before the show, um, 
essentially to the question of, and we can go more into the actual work happening in Wisconsin, but like, why why are these efforts important to the uh, like students who might be listening to this show, right? Because sure. they, they may not fit the 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 population that you're currently serving, but why might it be important to a student studying here on campus? Sure. Well, I think there are several different um, answers to that question. First of all, I think it's really important for students to understand what legal work and what policy work and what advocacy work looks like in various different ways. So I think, for example, a lot of people know about the traditional attorney in the courtroom um, filing cases or doing criminal work. And what Juvenile Law Center does is work in the criminal justice space, work in the juvenile justice space, but do do so through um, policy advocacy and what we call impact litigation, which is when we take cases, we work um, to ensure that broad policy changes are made and there's impacts on not only the client specifically in the case, but a lot of um, people who are similarly situated. So I think um, on one hand, it really provides um, a view of what advocacy work can really look like um, in as it's happening on the ground um, and for young people and students um, at the school that are interested in pursuing work um, in public policy or pursuing work in law or in working with young people that are involved in the juvenile justice and the child welfare systems, um, our organization, as well as the work that we are doing in Dane County, provides um, a really um, unique model that I think isn't always reflected in what you know people traditionally feel that uh, lawyers or policymakers are doing. Um, so I think on one hand, um, that's really important. And um, otherwise, this issue of you know the the struggles that various young people go through and, and what's happening in communities, um, I think it's important for everyone to get involved in. You know, when someone's in school um, at a at a community, they're still very much involved in that community. And a lot of changes happening, such as the change that we're here to talk about today, happen because individuals reach out to their legislators, reach out to the policymakers. Um, in their communities and ask for that kind of change. And I think it's really important for listeners to realize that they do have a lot of political capital and they do have a lot of political power in in making calls and reaching out to their legislators, reaching out to their representatives, and that um, in doing so, they really can make a difference in their communities. Good. Uh, So I I, I, I do want to talk about the work specific to Dane County. Of course, the show is on Wisconsin. We can talk about uh, more things with Wisconsin uh, um, at large. So uh, I want to ask you about the recent uh, settlement um, that your organization reached with um, um, the, uh, I believe, Wisconsin DOC, Department of Corrections. Sure. So what, I mean, you know, we we talk about the uh, Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake. And so, you know, let's, let's, let's dive in a little bit deeper and, and describing the way that those uh, facilities are run and what what types of change um, your organization uh, wants to see there. Sure. So the main um, con- the main issues that were brought up in the litigation were very specific to um, many of the abusive practices that were taking place within the facilities of Lincoln Hills and Copper Lake. And um, two such um, example, two examples of these were the use of solitary confinement, which is when kids were being punished. They were being put um, in very small rooms by themselves without access to, um, you know, any social 
interaction at all, which um, studies show is incredibly harmful for young children and can cause a lot of um, negative effects and, in fact, doesn't really have any um, you know, rehabilitative benefits, which is what the benefit of the, what the, you know, purpose of the juvenile detention system is or the juvenile justice system. Um, and then second, there was also a lot of use of uh, pepper spray, um, including um, bear mace, for example, to uh, discipline kids or like in an effort to keep them under control. Um, and so part of the settlement was that these like very problematic practices could no longer um, be used in the facilities, which is, um, incredibly important and like and very very big changes to uh to what was happening um and so some of the terms of the agreement for example was saying that solitary confinement as a punishment is going to be phased out or otherwise it's going to be very limited pepper spray is going to be phased out um other kinds of restraints such as they were using like belly chains or handcuffs which isn't um, always appropriate to use with young people um, that's also going to be very limited. There's not going to be strip searches um, and a lot of training and monitoring of the facility with expertise by um, provided by um, various people who know what are good ways of, of working um, with young people in, in these types of facilities. So um, really good, um, really good um, changes to the facilities um, specifically right now, but overall, um, the, the bigger win, I think, in that regard is that um, the, the eventual closure of, of facilities like Lincoln Health and Copper Lake. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to take a, a small um, uh, break here uh, for our uh, PSAs, uh, but can I bring you back on the other side of the break to talk about um, other uh, places of impact that your organization is lending? All right, so we're going to take a a small break here for a moment, and when we come back, um, we'll hear a little bit more from Nadia Mosifer from the Juvenile Law Center when we come back. 